We um, are going to continue on in the series that we're doing called, Who Do You Think You Are? And this series is about our identity in Christ, who we are in Him. And I've said all along this is very important because our enemy is sort of the, the master of identity theft. And so we, we need to know who we are in Christ so we can live this life, this amazing life that He's given us to the full. And we, we started a few weeks ago talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And, and we talked about our freedom in Christ, and then we, we started, we talked about love, and I said love sort of encompasses all of them. And then last week we talked about joy, and I asked you to consider the idea of, you know, that joy is the emotion of salvation. And this week we're going to talk about peace. So that's uh, a great subject. Bad joke time. Did you know that the first French fries were not cooked in France? They were cooked in Greece. That's a dad joke. I, I saw this too. It's, it's inappropriate to make a dad joke if you're not a dad. Uh, that's a faux pas. Scripture, <laughs> scripture reading was awesome. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Blessed be the word of the Lord. And when I started this discussion on the fruit of the Spirit just a few weeks ago, one of the things that I said to you, and I want to kind of go back to this every couple of weeks to keep it sort of in your forefront, is that the fruit of the Spirit is what's developed in us as we yield our lives over to the Holy Spirit. And so, so these things should be evident in our lives in some measure. And when we're not experiencing these things in some measure, it should sort of be an indicator to us that we're out of step a little bit and that we sort of get reconnected and, and you know, really sort of focused back in again. So as we talk about them, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, faithfulness, self-control, those things should just be a part of you in this walk that we're on. So, so as we discuss them, we're not talking about, you know, how we can work real hard to make them better. It's always about learning to yield to the Spirit, and He develops these things in us. And so we need to be aware of that in our lives. So today, as I said, we're going to talk about peace. So let's, let's hop into that discussion. Point number one uh, in your notes is perfect peace. If we're going to talk about peace, let's go ahead and talk about perfect peace. And what's that all about? So last week, as, as I said, we talked about joy. And as I introduced the idea of joy, uh, we, we looked at how Jesus was... Um, it was really important to Jesus that His disciples knew that their sorrow would turn to joy. And so He takes time, uh, on their last sort of opportunity to be together in the earthly ministry, He takes time to talk about it with them in the Gospel of John, 14, 15, 16, 17. Uh, it's really important to Him that, that they would know that. Well, just as important to Him uh, in that discussion is the idea of peace, that, that, that they would experience peace in the middle of difficult circumstances. And, and to, for you to understand how important that is, I want you to see it in context. This is, this is Jesus is about to endure the cross. He, he's about to go through a horrific 
time and he knows that's happening and yet it's extremely important to him that just up to that time his disciples understand some of these things. And so he talks about joy and he talks about peace in the process. John 14, 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, this peace that he's talking about, it probably includes at some level, you know, when he returns and when everything is set back to right and all those things are happening. But it's more about the idea that he wants his followers to live in in a place where they are not anxious and not worried and not afraid. And so he says, you know, don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So he has in mind your heart in this time. As we walk this walk, he wants his people now to be free from anxiety, to be at peace, to be content. And he knows that the only kind of of heart peace that matters is the peace he gives. The the world uh, attempts to give us peace uh, in in certain things, but it's always about good circumstances. So, so you know, the, the way the, the world, uh, we try and find peace in that would be with things like, you know, um, health insurance and retirement accounts and labor-saving devices, things that are to help our, our circumstances. But, but God wants us to know peace in the midst of circumstances. He says this in that verse in the middle of 27, not as the world gives do I give you, which means that his peace is not based on good circumstances. It's given, it's experienced in spite of and during difficult circumstances. John 16, I have told you these things, Jesus says, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That's one of those verses when you look at, it's, it's uh, you know, he's pretty definite. In this world you will have trouble. We don't always like some of those verses. We, we sort of would rather have it say, now that you're with me, don't worry about it. You're never going to have any trouble or difficulties in your life. But that's definitely not what it says. It's still a fallen world and a broken planet. But in spite of circumstances, what he's saying is that you can know my peace. And that peace then, and because it's not based on good circumstances, doesn't make any sense to the world. Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God which transcends all understanding, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, so the ultimate reason is that the world won't understand it or, or can't fathom it or, and, and that, that we can't in our own understanding you know, produce it or grasp it is because it's not human peace. Um, it's God's peace that we're talking about. It's the peace between Jesus and His Father. Again, verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. His peace. So he's not creating your peace. He's sharing with you his peace. He's bringing you into his peace, the peace he has with his Father. Now, remember, he's saying these things at a time before he's about to go to the cross. And so you might say, your peace, you you know, they're, they're just about to kill you. What kind of peace is that? And what he's introducing him to is perfect peace with his father. And in effect, he's saying, listen, tomorrow I'm I'm going to the cross. And as I go and the events that take place, that'll allow me to open the door for you to be reconciled 
to God that my sheep will have a now a way in to the process to experience his peace. And he says, I will satisfy the Father's justice and I will purchase your forgiveness and I will provide your righteousness and I will bring you into the very peace that I have with my Father and no thing and nobody can ever take that from you. That's the perfect peace that he provides for us. And it's regardless of circumstance. So how do we experience his peace? What, what does that look like? What's going on? That's point number two. And, and so he wants us to experience his peace. He describes it in Matthew 6, 25 through 33, as well as in other places. Let me read this to you. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You've heard that last verse if you've been here before at all. We get to it all the time. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be given to you. Jesus doesn't want you to worry. He he doesn't want you to be anxious. He wants you to experience life. Paul says this, and I love this. Paul's writing from prison, by the way, uh, Philippians 4, 11 through 13. So get it in context. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. The secret of contentment, of of perfect peace, in, in experiencing that in every situation is really fairly simple. And it brings up point three. We experience it by yielding to the Holy Spirit, which is all about trusting in the Lord. So we experience peace when we trust in the Lord by yielding to the Holy Spirit. Here's why. God designed us, created us to operate on trust. So uh, He created us and, and we are reasoning creatures made in God's image. But God didn't make us gods. He, he did not give us His capacity to contain all knowledge and all wisdom. We only contain small amounts of each. And, and God designed us then to trust in Him in whatever knowledge, wisdom, and strength He provides us and to trust His knowledge, wisdom, and strength when ours reach its limits. See, and we're to know the difference. We're to know and understand that we don't know everything. That might come as a shock. And that God knows more than we do. That might be another shock. 
And, and that's where the issue comes. Who are we going to trust in those situations? The writer of Proverbs says this in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, in all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. See, back in the fall, and we talk about that, not, you know, the fall season, big fall, Genesis 3 fall, when Adam and Eve, you know, went in a direction they shouldn't. What happened ultimately there is that they broke trust with God by eating the, the fruit that He told them not to eat. Remember, the, the garden was created in such an amazing way and everything there was yes, 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 and they were in perfect communion with one another, Adam and Eve, and in perfect fellowship with God and experiencing His presence and everything was good, 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 and, and it was yes, 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 and there was one no over there And we know what happens, right? The enemy deceptively tricks Adam and Eve into doing the one thing that they were told not to do. And when they went in that direction, what happened was everything changed and because they, it broke their trust with God. God's basically saying to them, as he said, things that just trust me and and we're going to have an amazing journey together. And yet they didn't. And so... From that point in time, from Genesis 3.15 on, we call it the crimson thread of redemption. Everything in redemptive history culminating in Jesus' incarnation and death and resurrection is God undoing the catastrophe that took place at the fall and restoring sinful people to a place uh, once again of holiness where they can trust in Him and experience life all over again. And so no matter who we are, no matter what our gifts are, what our talents are, what our, what our position is, what our background is, always, it, it all comes down to trusting God with all our heart and knowing that He knows and we don't and that He's got it figured out and we haven't. But that's what we have to figure out, see? But it's this idea of trusting, it's really simple, but it's not easy. Does that make sense? It's the idea is simple, right? Well, that makes sense. Why is it difficult sometimes? Well, here's why. It's a, we're called to trust Jesus, which is really demonstrated by our obeying Jesus. John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. So if you, if you trust me, you'll just do what I've asked you to do, and you're going to find life that really makes sense for you. But we have to do it in a world that's under the power of the evil one. We have a very real enemy, 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So we have a very real enemy in the process. And we, we live in a body with sinful impulses because of the fall. Galatians five sixteen and 17, we started with this. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. So I believe your redeemed heart wants to go God's way. You want to do the things that He's called you to, and yet there's this constant battle going on. And here's what I... This might be helpful. As I think it puts our decisions in a, in a way that we can understand them. Throughout the day... We're going we're gonna to have to make choices. Are we going to go God's way or are we going to go our way? 
But here's a way to look at those choices. Every time that we're called to trust Jesus' promises over the enemy's deceptions and over our own perceptions, what we're basically doing is reenacting the fall in the garden. And, and when you start looking at it that way, it changes everything. Because if you've ever looked at the enormity of the fall, if you've ever gone back and read what was happening with Adam and Eve, and you, you've maybe thought to yourself, oh, I wouldn't have bought into that. And then you, you realize that every time that we go our own way, we're just reenacting the fall over again. But every time we decide to go His way, the Spirit and go His way, it's, it's, a, it's a smack in the mouth on the enemy. Do, and I don't know about you, but the enemy has stolen so much of life, not only from, from me, but from the people that I encounter. I, I'm, I'm constantly encountered broken people who've got horrific things that have happened because the enemy is, is you know, on the prowl and he's, he's doing the things that he does. And any time there's a possibility for a little win in that process, I, I want to embrace it wherever I can. And, and so whenever we yield to the Spirit and go His way, it's a, it's a win at some level. It's a, it's, a, it's a following of Jesus the way He did the temptation, you know, and just said, no, I'm not doing that. Here's what the Word says. I'm going this way. And so it's a picture of what happens. And when we do, we have peace. So anxiety. I, I, you know, non-clinical versions, just bear with me. But most anxiety is based on things that have happened to us or things that we've done in the past. So most anxiety is backward-looking. Worry. Most worry is forward-looking. It's about things that haven't happened yet. But they unsettle us. Those two things together take us out of peace. Anxiety and worry. And, and yet, here's what you need to understand in the process. Jesus has made a way where He's taken care of our past because He's forgiven it all, and He's promised us a future so that we can live in the present, and in the present we should be experiencing His peace without all of the anxiety and the worry that we so often face. See, that's how He set it up. So when Paul says this in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and you know these verses, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You can begin to put it all together. Throughout the day, I have to get to that verse. Do not be anxious about anything. If I told you how often I think about that verse, you'd think I was maybe losing my mind. But it's constant. And so many people will say something to me, and I want to go, well, let's think about that verse. And I don't do it to be cliche. Do not be anxious about anything. I'm not saying it to be mean. I want to get to that next spot where we pray, where where that's where things change, where we go, wait a minute, I'm a little out of step because this anxiety, this worry is on me, and that's not where he wants me, and so I need to connect again. This week, uh, I was over at my my son's house, and Doug and I and and Tom actually were working on a little project over there, and uh, we're working away, and Reed comes home, little Reed's three... Uh, and he's a cute little guy, Reed. They're all cute. All the grandkids are cute. I got seven. Let me just say right away. They're all my favorite. And uh, they're all cute. Um, Reed comes home. And Doug and I, and we're all, we're all doing something. So, so Doug's a little busy. And, and yet Reed, you know, wants to see his daddy. And he, so they say quick hi, but that's not enough. 
And so after a few minutes, when Doug hasn't finished what he's doing, Reed actually is standing right by us, and he starts doing this. Papa! 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 And Doug's like, just a minute, just a minute. Papa! And to the point where Douglas finally has to go, okay. And he goes and sits down in the chair, and Reed crawls up in his lap and just hangs on. He wasn't going to be satisfied until he was there in his lap. And then he wouldn't let go. We, <laughs> we lost Douglas to that project for about 30 minutes. But the picture was so powerful. See, see that's, that's what we need to be. When we're feeling anxiety and we're, when we're not experiencing peace in some measure, and don't get me wrong, I know things are... But, but there's that place. When you realize you're not there, that's what you need to do. Papa! You, you need to pop up and, and you need to crawl up in his lap and you need to hang out there until you're back at peace and at rest and things settle back again and you realize he's got you and he's for you and that he loves you and then you start to go his way again. It's a picture of what that looks like. And so all of this that we're talking about, the fruit of the Spirit, you think about that when you're not experiencing it. It's just time to call out Papa and crawl up in his lap. Hang out for a little while until you feel it again. And that's what he's going to do. Amen? Ministry team, those of you here, why don't you head over the wall? People over there are here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, they'll make sure you get it. But let me pray for you as a group. We can have breakfast and dismiss. Papa, thank you so much for your goodness to us and your love for us. You're such an awesome God. Thank you for the life that you've come to, to give us. A life beyond what we often grasp in your presence, experiencing your peace, your joy, your love. So Lord, continue to have your way in us as we yield to your Spirit, that not only would we be changed, but that our change would impact the world around us for you, that you would bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area, that hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached. Ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God, to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You are such an awesome, awesome God. 